You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 18. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Hey there, amazing business owners. Angela here, and welcome to another episode of Business and Life Conversations with Angela Henderson. That's me. I hope your day is going brilliantly well and that you're ready to listen to another amazing episode. For those that are listening and are still in your corporate jobs, you're going to love this episode. For those of us like myself who was in a full-time corporate role while starting a business, you two are equally going to love this episode. And for those of, and for those of you that just love a good conversation, you too will also love this episode. Why? Because I have Anita from WordFetty joining me today, and she's going to talk about how she went from a corporate lawyer to a successful copyright business owner. Her journey to success starts with bullying, depression, cultural obstacles, and so much more. But now that she's made it through the other side, leaving her corporate job, she has now opened up to so many wonderful opportunities that she's going to share with us today. So sit back and enjoy this beautiful conversation with Anita and I. Welcome to the show, Anita. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Dude, thank you so much for being here. It is a Friday, so we're all very eager for the weekend. (laughs) So thank you for taking time out. I appreciate that. Now, listen, before we jump into the nitty gritties about, you know, leaving corporate world and heading into, do you mean this wonderful world of owning your own business and being, you know, getting to be a very successful copywriter, which is super fun because you're very clever with words. I have stopped you slightly. (laughs) Yes, which is very cool. I want you to introduce a little about who you are what you're doing. We won't talk about your journey yet. I just want to give the audience a little bit of a taster about yet. Like I said, who you are, where you're currently at in the job that you're doing. And I also want you to tell us what your favorite color of jelly bean is. Oh, that is. Okay. So my name's Anita and I'm the founder and director of WordFetty. We are a copywriting studio that specializes in helping brands stand out through words. Um, Our ethos is that we don't believe in traditional copywriting, but instead we believe in uh, disruptive, thought-provoking and engaging copywriting. Um, So we write words that stick, words that um, get people feeling something and words that, you know, get discussions happening. Um, Your final question was what colour jelly bean? I would have to say black. Black jelly beans, dude, they're so good, but so far and like far between, you don't get a lot of black jelly beans in the bowl. No, you don't. No. I do like that. Is it Terry White Chemist? I think they have like that. You can actually buy the packets of the black jelly beans. Oh, yes. And it's always near the counter and you're just like, oh, I'll just take it. I do need this. Absolutely. And then I normally make myself so sick because I'll bend the entire (laughs) packet and then I never want to see a black jelly bean again. But I'm with you. Black jelly beans are amazing and I love them. Like a licorice. Dude, so good. Now, see, but this is a funny thing. Not a fan of licorice. I can't do the black licorice, but I can do the black jelly bean. I don't know what it is. Very interesting. Uh, You're a widow. (laughs) That too. That could be. That could absolutely be. I would would support your doing mean thoughts on that one. (laughs) Now, okay, so enough about the black jelly beans because I could talk about food all day. I want to talk to talk to you, though, because, again, someone who has left my own corporate job, you know, um, 
someone who would also say corporate jobs can be like mini cults in some ways. You know, they tell you when to eat, they tell you when to brush your teeth, they tell you when that you're taking leave or when they're denying your leave. Um, as we've talked about, there are some benefits about corporate world that we do miss as business owners, as we were saying before the show, such yeah. as, you know, when you're sick, my kids have been sick for the last seven days consecutively. And I'm kind of like, okay, it would be great to have a sick day because you can take a sick day and do you know what I mean? Everything's okay. You don't have to worry about it. Um, and, and that was like me last week too, where I was like, oh my God, I just need a day or two off. Let me call the boss. Oh wait, I am the boss. Exactly right. We, we don't have that option. <laughs> no. However, I think you and I would both agree that uh, leaving the corporate world has been one of the best things that has happened to us. Definitely. Um, but before we jump into how you're now into the wonderful world of copywriting, I'd love you to walk us through your journey of what corporate life was as a full-time lawyer. I know you're still a lawyer. Um, however, you're not acting in the role of a corporate lawyer at the moment. You're acting you mean, in your own business world, but technically you are still a lawyer. But tell us a little bit about the journey because it was quite interesting reading the application for the podcast because you talked about there's some level of you know, bullying, the depression, you know, um, and I really love the rawness that you, uh, do you mean, were able to talk about in the application. I would love for you to be able to share that with the listeners. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> so I was a lawyer. I did work in a law firm, but, um, just to be clear with the listeners, um, I went from being a lawyer. So I worked in law firms, but then I also worked in a role where I wasn't technically practicing as a lawyer as well. Um, so, okay. So I, as you, as you can tell, I have a really super nonlinear path to yeah. copywriting. Um, I'll, I'll take you back a little bit in terms of, I guess, my path to doing the law thing. And then I guess what happened in the corporate world for me. Sure. So back in university, um, I studied a law and social psychology degree. It took me six and a half years. Yes, a long, um, um, a long time for two very expensive pieces of paper. Um, and then I decided to get another expensive piece of paper to get admitted as a lawyer. Um, and then I decided to get a corporate role. So I, um, just as you would, I worked in, I worked in law firms when I was studying as well. And I felt like it wasn't exactly, I don't know, it wasn't exactly what I just loved I didn't I enjoyed the work but I just didn't love it so I decided to go get another role um, I guess still in the corporate world somewhat um, still in the same arena but um, yeah so I guess I was utilizing my law degree in a different way uh -huh. um, and to be honest it wasn't if it wasn't for a series of events that happened in my life including um, what I'll go through in a bit, um, particularly in the last couple of months in my corporate role, I actually think I would still be there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I actually, in a way, like I mentioned, I actually quite enjoyed the role I was in. It was interesting. It felt rewarding. But what really flipped things for me was something that technically happened three or four months prior to me leaving the corporate role. So I left the corporate role in December 2017. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so around seven, eight, yeah, eight months ago, eight months ago. Um, and I don't want to go too raw into, well, I'll go a little bit, but I don't want to go too into the nitty gritties because I don't want to dwell on the past. But totally. the best way for me to summarize what I was going through, it was the idea that it was the culture that I was in. It was so much about scarcity thinking um, rather than, I guess, this idea of <clears throat> abundance thinking. And it's this attitude of, you know, competition, not collaboration, 
tearing people down, not bringing them with you and supporting them and championing them, resenting the competition instead of, you know, welcoming it. Um, and it, it, it was like a sudden realisation that it wasn't just like mental strength or having the right, like resilience. It was inappropriate. Like <laughs> the yep. type of behaviour that I saw not just at me, but at the people around me. Like it just, it didn't feel right. And once you see the ugliness to that or to someone, like as much as you want to be like open your arms and help them and look after the people around you, you you just, you, you can't, you start to lose hope. And I, for me, like I felt so down. Like for me, it really got me down to the stage where I was like, I just didn't feel like this was right anymore um and it just didn't align with what I believe a workplace should be mm-hmm. either um like and you usually- also said that at one stage you you're not too sure if you had you were fully depressed but you thought if this is what depression's like I mean yes. like, is that is that correct a hundred percent and I was just about to dive into that it was I'm usually someone who's pretty bubbly. I think I'm usually someone who's enthusiastic. I, I love talking to people, getting to know, you know, their journeys, their stories. Like I'm, 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 I'm a people person, you could say. Yes. Um, and not much can get me down. I'm usually someone who always tries to see the good in people. I'm usually someone who um, will probably laugh at something just so I can feel, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like I'll probably make a little bit of a joke out of something that secretly, inherently, in my head, I'm like, oh, this is killing me. But I laugh about it. Um, But it got to the stage where I couldn't even do that. Like for a good two or three months, I would come home from work and my partner and people around me, even, you know, my mom, my friends, like it's a ripple effect. People start seeing it, you know, go into your personal life as well. Like they, they would be like, oh, you just are you okay? Like you seem so down. I'd get text messages from friends or colleagues being like, are you okay? They would send me flowers to work, even being like, Hey, there's something to cheer you up. Like it was obvious. And in my head, I was like, I thought I was okay. But the fact that people were doing things like that for me, I was like, okay. So clearly I'm, I'm not okay. I would be like crying, like for no reason. Um, I would get to the stage where it comes to Friday. I'm like, Oh my God, I can like I can finally have a weekend and just relax for two days and that's just not me like I get I'm one of those losers that do get excited about work um they become like in a way a second family because you spend so much time there Um, I was just getting so down and I for the first time I think in my life I did I don't think I I almost wanted to, you know, cocoon into my bed and be like, uh-huh, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a bit too hard right now. Like, hey, <laughs> Not today. So how did you know, like, what was the turning point? What was that kind of, like, aha moment that you would say, you're like, man, it's time to get out. I'm done. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I, yeah, pretty much as I mentioned, I'm usually someone who, bit loser-like. I love, I'm one of those people who would say, I love my job. I love what I do, whether it's in the corporate world or what I do now, I want to, it it stays true. Like I want to be in a role that I enjoy because we spend so much of our lives in the workplace. We spend more time at work than we do sometimes with our friends, our family. Um, I don't have kids, but I have two dogs. (laughs) Um, So why should it feel like a chore? 
why should I feel so negative and why should we feel so terrible? So when I found myself just feeling so down and upset about being in an environment that I had, I guess, enjoyed so much um, and that feeling actually, that, that sad feeling actually went for longer than like two or three months mm-hmm. and I would come home and just cry and felt actually sick about being in that environment. I, that, that in a way was my trigger point. Like some people may say things like, hey, you need to build resilience, Anita. Um, well, to that I say <laughs> there is a difference between um, uh, having resilience um, and knowing that it's no longer like worthy emotional roller coaster. But I also think it's not just about resilience because anyone can build resilience. But when you're in, like you, you made a very good point. The majority of us spend a third of our life in a, in a role, a third of our life with our family or doing extracurricular activities and a third of our life sleeping. So 33.3% of our life is in the work, some form of workplace technically, right? And I do think that resilience is one thing, but I think when you're in a toxic environment, for 33% of your overall week, day in and day out, for five out of the seven days a week, technically, you know, mm-hmm. it's resilience. I don't think it's kind of like that one step forward, two steps back. You can be resilient, yes. but then when you get in there and you're hit with boom, 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 you're like, you can only stay positive for so long because that toxicity, do you know what I mean? Just a hundred percent. And that, and exactly, you hit that nail on the head and that's exactly it. It's no longer about having resilience. It's no longer, it's, it's borderline just, it's, yeah, it's not worth it. It trickles down into your personal life, um, into even not being able to sleep and everything, your health. So did you, um, so kind of like, like you said, those, those days were getting longer, you were crying more, you prefer to sleep more, you were like breathing a sigh of relief at the end of the week. So that was kind of your turning point when you're like, all right, man, I, I don't want to lay in bed anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Yeah. So did you leave the full-time job and then just like go, I'm going to go on a whim? Or did you slowly like back away from the full-time job and start your side business while still working? Yeah, so I, I actually started Word 30 when I was still in the corporate role and this was something I had actually been quite transparent with my uh, managers and directors about. I wanted to be clear on that. And I actually side gigs. I don't love the word side gigs, but yeah. I side gigs for uh, almost nine months um, with the potential of it maybe one day um, being my full-time job, maybe, I don't know, in a few years. It was just something I really enjoyed and um it, it was something also that I guess a lot of people start started being like oh Anita you're like you're so good with you know come letters can you give me some feedback on this or you're so like you're good with words can you help me with like a bit about, about my website and it was something I really enjoyed doing so I was like well yeah let's this can be my you know side hobby slash side hustle um so yeah I to, to think that like I, I definitely didn't plan for it to go full time as quick as it did. Um, I think the series of events that happened before I left my corporate world definitely drove me to diving into that path a lot quicker. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. 
No, okay, perfect. So then tell me a little bit too, another interesting little fact that you had told me um, prior to the recording today was that you're also part Chinese. And so in addition to some of those barriers, I guess, about leaving the full-time, you know, corporate job, you also had some home life barriers, you know, kind of going, oh, am I going to make this? Because it's not highly looked upon what you were saying from a cultural point, just to just yes. up and leave, I guess, a stable job and go out in the unknown. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah, so I so I'm technically three three quarters Chinese, and then I've also got Indonesian um, okay. in me as well. Um, so yeah, and, and and it's still hard to answer your question actually. Um, but I think my mum is starting to understand <laughs> a little bit more. Um, at, at the beginning, when I jumped from corporate world to having my own thing, I told her I was on leave, but that leave obviously kept going. <laughs> <laughs> And she was like, hang on, <laughs> what is this? Yes. Um, but yeah, go, going back a bit, I grew up in an environment where um, it's the Asian culture, I guess, where life was really about, you know, getting amazing grades, having some great skills and hobbies. Um, I did the whole piano thing when I was three years old and I played the piano until I was 18 or 19. <laughs> yeah. um, did I love it? Mm, not really, but it made my parents happy. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and then the path, the career path was like, do you want to be a doctor or do you want to be a lawyer? And um, I couldn't get into being a doctor. So I went off to become a lawyer, uh-huh. uh, but it was like that. It was um, about, you know, having a successful career um, and, you know, in a way it was, it wasn't so much about just being successful either though. It was also so that we could provide for like the parents. For, well, yeah, because actually, isn't it that what you would ideally in China, for example, mainland China, you would take care of your elderly, do you know what I mean, later on in life, correct? And that you would help provide regular income or help with housing. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. So I, um, so my parents um, were, well, I was personally born in Hong Kong uh, and it's, it's a very similar culture, whether it's mainland China, whether it's Hong Kong or Taiwan or even Indonesia, even it's this Asian culture where because our parents have looked after us for the last, I don't know, 20 or so years, Great, like put us in a good school and, you know, um, looked after us and put a, you know, get us food and put a roof over our heads. Like it, it, it is in a way a chance for us to kind of look after them now that they, you know, that we are able to, you know, we've got a full-time job and we've got a income. Now it's time for us to look, give back kind of thing. And it's something that I actually still feel that I should do. And I guess that was in a way the hard bit for me because it was to kind of throw away that security blanket and stray away from, you know, the traditional path I was supposed to go on. Um, Yeah. It's not something that's, you know, traditional or um, normal. Um, And my dad is someone who was actually some, uh, he was very, very adamant that Anita, you need to, you know, do the university degree. You need to get a corporate job. Like it was something that he really wanted for me too. And um, for me personally, that was always at the back of my mind because my dad is someone who I, I definitely respect my mom too, but my, both my parents um, just really wanted me to just, you know, have this life that they, you know, work so hard for, for me and being an only child as well. I didn't want to let them down. Um, yeah, it was. But yeah. would you say now that you, do you know what I mean? Now that, you know, 
things are getting better, numbers are getting better. Are they slowly coming around to this, I guess, change? Because it's not just a change with family, but it's like a cultural change. I'm assuming that they might have pressures from their friends or societal pressure on them, which is an indirect thing from your decision, you know? So are they slowly coming around to the idea that the corporate lawyer is now churned successful copywriter? Somewhat twofold. So, I mean, in a way, it sounds so much better to say um, you're a doctor or a lawyer than to say, hey, I've got a business. (laughs) Uh, People automatically look at you as though you're going through a midlife crisis. Right, right. Oh, oh no, oh, no. So it wasn't, um, for me personally, it was somewhat twofold. Like, I guess, yeah, going back with my dad being someone who is so career-driven and all of that, um, so a little bit of a side note, I actually personally lost my dad a couple of years ago and maybe that would have contributed to everything that happened. Mm-hmm. But I guess a part of me is almost like I don't want to let him down. I don't know whether I should leave the corporate role because this is something he would have always wanted me to do. Um, but on the flip side, at the end of the day, it's not so much um, It's not so much about the career or all the th- It's mainly they just want me to live a good life I think like you know the whole reason why they want me to have a good career is so that they don't want me to stress out not having you know that money or not being able to do what I want at the end of the day it's really about that Um, and I think again listen a parent's love is always they want the best for us don't yeah and I get that I'd be worried about me too (laughs) (laughs) yes now an interesting thing that you had said um which I thought was cool and I don't know if it started or you've thought about this after corporate life we talked about not settling for mediocre and that people need to get comfortable with uncomfortable. I'd like to unpack what that means because I think it's a, it's a great combination of words and you obviously being a copywriter is good with words. So tell me a little bit about why people, you know, get, need to get out of comfortable and start to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I actually read, I'm reading a book read, um, at the moment that actually summarizes that perfectly. So it's called The Big Magic. I don't know whether you yes, read it. Yeah, magic. you read yes. it. Yes. Um, and she's got this quote at the very beginning of the quote where it says, it's, it's about living life driven by cu- curiosity as opposed to fear. Mm-hmm. And I feel like too often um, we settle for okay or just this is all right or this will do because we feel like we have to. Um, this is what we're meant to spend our life doing, whether it's the bills, it's a stability, it's a job we feel comfortable in because we've worked in it for, I don't know, five, 10, 20, 30 years. Like a tribe is there. Like, sure. Of course, of course you have responsibilities, but why should that be an excuse to living a life that you're not excited about? Um, I know this has been said so many times, but damn life is short and I think for me personally that cannot ring more true because um yeah having lost my dad quite in a way suddenly I in in a way that was a bit bit of a watermelon to my head it's like things can turn very quickly um and we're only on this earth I guess for you know a certain number of years um and it's just simply not worth it when three quarters of your life in a way is spent feeling like that you wake up go to work pay the bills you dread Mondays come down to the weekend and you do it all over again there's no fun in that and for me personally I feel like we shouldn't be living a life that drains us and we should be getting excited about Mondays Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people yeah like might be like well 
don't you like you probably don't have big responsibilities Anita or something like that you don't understand because we've got bills to pay and this and that I've got kids and all that well in a way I know everyone's personal circumstances are different but I had bills I had a mortgage as well actually in fact I decided to buy a house before I left my corporate role literally (laughs) like a month before I decided to leave some may think I'm crazy, but you know what? That absolutely gave me like the ammunition to make sure I absolutely smash this like with work, Betty, and gave it my all. So, um, and, and that's what I, going back to all of this, sometimes being uncomfortable and I felt uncomfortable. I was scared. <laughs> I was scared. Um, being uncomfortable and just stepping outside your comfort zone is sometimes where all the magic happens. And for the first maybe two, three months when I left the corporate role, I was scared. I was like, I'm not sure. Like, obviously I worked out my expenses, minimum expenses that I need to make, but did I know how I was going to make that? No, not really. But I pushed myself to figure it out. Like, I mean, I think that when you have, and again, I know mindset gets spoken about a lot, but when you're determined to do something, I always, always see people who are determined and willing to work hard, do what they need to do. They might not have a killer month. Like they might not have their like best profitable month, but they're still, they're still happy and they're still doing what they like. And like you said, they're not dreading Monday mornings. Like, you know, I was in Bali just a few weeks ago and, you know, I, I did, I was able to tune off for about seven days, but then I'm like my ADHD brain. I'm like, ah, I got it. And I mean, I got to get back in. But if the thing is, is I love what I do. So when I'm not doing it, I feel like a part of me is missing. You know, it has nothing to do with, I even say like work-life balance because I feel my life work-life balance is pretty balanced. I just, I like what I do. So when I like what I do, I want to be around that energy and, and you know, I meet good people. Mm-hmm. So many people through the podcast now. And so, yeah, so I think there's something to be said that sometimes, yeah, those initial stages of uncomfortable and going, holy crap, do you know what I mean? Like what's going to happen here? The, the fear of the unknown, I think is another big one. Uh, the fear of letting go of control, you know, yes. um, I always, always see so many positives, you know, that come from that. Yeah. And speaking of positives, one of the things that you've done since leaving your corporate job is you've almost tripled your corporate sal- salary. And you've also been able to bring on a small team. So to walk some of the uh, listeners through, what have you done? What have been the key things you've done since leaving your corporate job to be able to triple your corporate salary almost and and to build that team? Yeah, I would probably say it's, uh, it's a combination of things, but probably three key things. First thing is really, um, so because I had built WordFetty when I was still in the corporate role, um, I felt like I had, when I first started the brand itself, it was crickets in a way for three, four months. I was like, yay, website, yay, Instagram, yay, Facebook. I'm live. I've got an account. Like it definitely doesn't work like that. You can have a website, you can have, you know, Um, all the cool images, even all the cool copy, but you need to be so damn consistent with the content that you convey to people. You need to provide so much value and really enter into the industry being like not sell, 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 but really help. Um, And for me personally, I, yeah, it was crickets for a good three, four months, but that didn't stop me from consistently every day showing up on Instagram or Facebook or throwing my hand in where I could to, you know, help, um, help people when people had questions coming back to me on Instagram. Um, I went in to really deliver consistent value. And I think that would be one key thing that has really helped 
me um, to really build the brand. The second thing would I would probably say is to really surround yourself, very similar to what you mentioned before, Angela, surround yourself with like-minded people, those who dream big, those who are positive, and those who don't play small. Um, that this has been actually massive for me. Um, they say there's this like a saying that's always been thrown around. You're the average of five people that you hang out with the most. Um, it doesn't ring more true because these five people can either fuel you or drain you completely. Mm-hmm. So if you're around people who constantly complain and they're negative and think life is just against them, they're just throwing, uh, 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 you just can't help but start thinking like that too. Um, but when you start, I guess, surrounding yourself with people who just think big, they're positive and they've just got this energy and they're genuinely kind-hearted and optimistic as well, um, that starts becoming your normal. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't seem big anymore. And that has been, yeah, that, that would be the second thing I would definitely say has been amazing, just surrounding myself with people who um smarter than me, people who are just driven, people who are just... Um, you know, gone down and then come back up three times, times three, like um, it's been amazing. And the third bit is actually, um, I I would actually recommend, um, I'm I'm not too sure whether this is somewhat, uh, some people might disagree, but I would actually say invest in a business coach. Um, As a business consultant, (laughs) I couldn't agree more. Yes. Yeah. I mean, tell us your side. And obviously I can talk about that till the cows come home. So why do you think investing in someone solid is a good, good game plan? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that, so that, that would be my third tip. And that is important mainly because for me personally, I had no idea what I was doing in the business world. And I'm going to be completely honest. Like I had the idea. I knew I had the passion, but that might be enough in the corporate world. But guess what? That's not enough when you start your own business. That uh, Being good at what you do is not enough. Um, And I love my friends, but not many of them um, have started their own business. So it wasn't like I could be like, hey, like call them and be like, oh, what should I do when this happens? Like, should I register for this? Like, should I do this? And I I felt lost. I had, I was very like not sure in the whole business world. Um, But the reason why I'm saying people should invest in a business coach is because as having someone who has been there and done that um, and someone who can guide you, it is just, yeah, it's priceless because as a business owner, you really go through an emotional roller coaster. There's this meme that goes around that's like the life of an entrepreneur, like, or business owner. It's like, yeah, it's like an up and down roller Yeah. And sometimes you're like, yes, I've got this. I've got the awesomest idea ever. But sometimes you're like, oh my God, who am I kidding? Maybe I should go get a job again. And sometimes you just can't. Um, wait or sometimes you're awake at 2 a.m and you're like wait is this normal should I like is this normal (laughs) and and having a business coach um, and having a um yes someone who can center me back in put me in the right path and also push you to doing things that you normally um wouldn't do or you'd be like oh that'll take me five years or that'll take me three years but someone who's like you know what you can do this we just need to do this 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 and break it down um and do it like this um that has been um yeah just someone who believes in you um 
that's been amazing. And I think so much of it is the majority of businesses that I work with too, is that they actually know what they need to do. They're not giving themselves credit. Like they actually know I need to do better marketing. I need to do this. I need to do this. But it's like you said, it's breaking them down into actionable, do you mean uh, digestible steps? Yes. Um, And I think the accountability is massive because Yes. You, if you don't, if you don't have to do like, you can just let things keep sliding and sliding and sliding, but knowing that you're meeting with your coach every two weeks or every four weeks, you're like, man, I got to get this done. Like <laughs> I can't miss a session because she doesn't allow me to miss a session because it's part of the contract. So there is an element of like, holy crap, I've got to get onto this, you know? Um, and each of their own, every person will do it like either last minute or they'll do it, but they'll still get it done. Um, so I do think there's something about having that accountability because when there's accountability, there's action taking. And when there's action taking, your business will perpetuate and move forward. You know, like Definitely. It's, it's like a combination, you know, it's all, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. And that, and, and that has been massive. I'm not someone who, you know, procrastinate, but in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe let's be realistic here. Let's like try and achieve that maybe in five years, you know, but really like having someone as an ego, eagle eye look down and be like Anita or uh, whoever the business coach is working with, this can actually be achieved in a year or two. If we do this, 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 like they're able to have that laser sharp vision and be like, because you're so in in your business, you sometimes you start doubting yourself. You start just not you not sure. But things that's it. You can't. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, having someone who has that eagle eye approach, and I and I know, um, and Angela, I know you're amazing at this as well. But to to really be like, this is totally achievable. Um, we just need to yeah, we just need to break it down. Yeah, but there's a cheerleader. And I also talk about putting things, I believe I learned this from Tash Corbin at our conference last year, about putting things back in the toy box. And so many people, as we've like, if you look when you have kids, is especially when they're little, they'll pull like a hundred toys out of the toy box, right? <laughs> You're like, dang it, just <laughs> put them back, but obviously they don't because they're babies. But it's like asking for ideas. Ooh, another idea. Ooh, another idea. Ooh, another day. So so often I'll say to my clients, put the, those they're great ideas and they will be part of your overall strategy as we've talked about. But I need you to put those ideas back in the toy box and focus on our three actionable steps or our five actions, yes. whatever we're working on. Because if not, people get they start it, start something, don't finish it. And therefore again, it is actually progressing, do you know what I mean? Or regressing, I should say, mixture of words, regressing versus do you know what I mean helping you where you need to go. Yeah, it's it's almost like yeah, you can do it all, just not all at once. Yes, no, <laughs> exactly right. Even though we might think we'd be able to, no, we can't. Yeah. So for those people still in the corporate full time jobs listening, what is the one piece of advice, just one, that you'd give them to start thinking about potentially transitioning? Mm, I would get them to ask a question to themselves, and that would be, "Do you?" And honestly, really think about this, like. Do you see yourself happy, feeling challenged and inspired in that corporate role that you're in in the next five years? And if you do, maybe you should stay there because you're, you you feel like powered by it. Like, um, but if you don't, then maybe ask yourself why and consider you know, as well why you want to be in business. Is it because of the lifestyle? Is it because you truly love what you like do? Um, because yeah, there's in a way there's sure you get to work at cafes and um you know <laughs> and in a way you get to, you know, um have a more flexible lifestyle, but it's it's also hard. 
<laughs> so oh gosh, absolutely like yeah there are some days it is like lonely you're just like yay I get to look at my computer again you know um and that's again besides the fact that missing out on the sick days that we could take at our old jobs but also I miss the lunchtime lunches oh where some of my funniest, <laughs> yeah. funniest people like I was just speaking to my friend Gary last night and my friend Glenn and my friend Peter like the like you would just belly laugh you know and even though I still have that in my life it's my, I miss the daily dose of belly laughs. Like we would just laugh and, yeah. laugh and laugh. So I do miss the community essence. You could Definitely. say that part of it. Definitely. And just, and, and that, that is a big thing um, as well. If I, I just say that being, yeah, being a business owner is sometimes very, very lonely. Um, you, um, and that's why it's so damn important to have um, like a bit of a community tribe, just business friends or even, who um, just have the same values as you do to really go through this business journey together. 100%. So now listen, I love it because I relate to so much of what you said today. And I know there are so many people that are still sitting on the fence or even still working part-time in their corporate roles. So awesome episode. But if the listeners would love to know more about you and find out, you know, like exactly what you do or how you could help their business, where can they find you? Um, so you can find us on Instagram. It's, um, the E sign word fetty, which is spelled W O R D, um, F E double T I our websites, wordfettygroup.com, or you could definitely shoot me an email as well. I'm definitely happy to anyone who is in that transition phase or unsure, or really just want someone to talk to, or just want to say hi, we can be pen pals. Um, you can shoot <laughs> me an email on hello at wordfettygroup.com. Yay, dude. Thank you so much for taking the time on a Friday to hang out with me, talking about black jelly, everything in between, you know, transitioning of being in corporate world to the transition. And I'm so, you know, I love hearing these stories because it, again, it confirms why we got out of the corporate world. Do you know what I mean? And that we're following our passion and I know it's cliche, but we're doing it things are good, you know, and life's all right. So thank you for sharing that with us today, Anita. Now, my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of related business and life topics inside my Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative, with over 3,000 businesses. So make sure to join the community as I'd love to see you in there. But for the rest of you, no matter where you are in the world, have an awesome day. And I look forward for you to tuning into next episode where we're going to be talking about Business Systems 101, getting you up to date with why you need business systems in order to grow your business successfully. Have an awesome day, everyone, and look forward to catching up with you soon. This is Ange from Angela Henderson Consulting. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au